Happy 420, everyone. It's me, your old pal, the Poptimist, here with a brand spanking new episode featuring Big Daddy of Daddy's Dogs. But before we get to that, I got something I want to tell you about. My good friends, the Weird Sisters, have a new single out called Ride That Satellite on Watch It Burn Records. You can get the seven inch of it. You can also get some t-shirts that Isaac made by hand. 42069 Baba Booey.
Sean Porter, a.k.a. Big Daddy of Daddy's Dogs. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Why are hot dogs superior to hamburgers? Uh, they've been around longer. America's pastime. They're tasting better. They're easier to eat. Everything. It's just far superior to those smashed burgers. So why did you start Daddy's Dogs? Man, it, uh, originally it was going to be a side hustle. I had uh, gotten myself into a motorcycle accident or scooter accident, I should say, and uh, broke my leg. I was off. I was a tour manager at the time, and it kind of put me off the road. And so, in my recovery, a friend of mine had just kind of put it out there as like, you know, kind of a random thing. He just was like, "Daddy, you should get into hot dogs," and it was like that little like spark that just kind of stuck in the back of my head. Not, you know, over doing physical therapy and you're like watching Netflix and ice in your foot, like you're Googling. And so I just kept coming back to this hot dog thing. And, and then, uh, you know, I made the conscious decision to move to Nashville. I was touring with an artist that was living here at the time. And uh, when I came down, I was like, man, there's not like a hot dog place. Like, I think there should be one done. And so a friend of mine, we just got together and I was like, hey, do you want to try this thing out? We'll run it out of my garage and we'll see where we can take it. And then, uh, you know, about a year in, I was still touring and we were doing it kind of like like half-assing it kind of. And a year in, I was like, man, I'm having way more fun doing this dog thing than I am on the road. You know, should we give it a, a real go? And we... Uh, we said, yeah, and I kind of just turned the burners on full blast, and we've been rolling ever since, man. Was there like a particular moment where that light bulb finally went off and you thought, this is what I'm meant to do? Um, I mean, I think it was just, you know, it was kind of that, I would always told myself when I was touring, like, you're doing this because it's your it's fun. Like, and then when that is ending, when you're not having fun doing this anymore, there's no point to be on the road slugging it out. And like, you know, that's, I didn't want to be a roadie for life. That wasn't what I wanted to be. I thought I was going to go into kind of either a booking agent realm or management and kind of, um, you know, stay in the music business and entertainment world. But when I've kind of stepped back, looked at it and was like, I'm doing all this shit to make all these other people all this money and all this clout and fame. Why don't I just switch it and try to do it for myself and see if we can do that and see if we can really take this somewhere and like make daddy's dogs into a household name in Nashville and into a brand that, you know, is recognized when tourists come to town and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I would say it's already there. Yeah. I think we've done an okay job so far. Yeah. Yeah, well, you guys, you guys are great. Was that first location the one that's over in the Nations? That was the first physical location. Our kind of first stronghold was Midtown, actually, uh, right in front of Winners and Losers and Blue Bar when it was still here, um, and Dogwood, Hopsmith, kind of like that strip was kind of our, our first slugging grounds. And then we went downtown um, by Dirk Bentley's Whis Whiskey Row and the Ryman and kind of just kept doing the cart thing popping up and then kind of got to the point where we were outgrowing my garage and it was time to go to a commissary route and you know how our business is structured we do a lot of daytime stuff but also late night and so you know there's someone working kind of 
20 hours a day somewhere. And at a commissary, it's just really expensive and all that kind of shit that comes with like renting space. And so it was like, well, why don't we just open a restaurant and like store all the shit here and we'll, you know, do that. It'll kind of be the double-edged sword for everything. And so that's what we did. And then that was in, that was five years ago in the nation's. And now you also have the location in Printer's Alley as yep. well, right? Yep. we got a little window in Printer's Alley. We've also got a partnership with Yeehaw and Old Smoky at 6th and Peabody downtown. Um, and then same thing, Yeehaw uh, in Ober, Gatlinburg. We've got one. And Knoxville, we just partnered to open one at their Yeehaw out there too. Wow. Okay. So you're really just starting to expand. Yeah, yeah we're kind of... We're turning, we're lighting the fires again, and like we're gonna, we're gonna really see where we can take this in the next couple of years. Are you planning on going out of state or? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's kind of you know we're we're tiptoeing a little bit, but we're kind of tiptoeing quick. Yeah. Uh, Dip your toe in the water and then jump in fully. Yeah, for sure. So you know we, we're doing the Knoxville kind of thing, and we might be doing some stuff with Yeehaw at some of their other locations in Greenville, South Carolina, and North Carolina, and stuff too. Just kind of trying to keep it all make sure we're not doing it so fast where the brand is or the quality of the product suffers at the same time it's interesting you say that because i recently watched a documentary on blockbuster Mm -hmm. and one of their things was so they started in dallas in the 80s and the dude who started it had created a software um that kind of picked how to get inventory into the store and eventually he brought on a businessman and the businessman was expanding so rapidly that that ended up being the downfall of blockbuster because they had all of these locations because at one point like i remember when i was a kid there was no joke there was a blockbuster like every two miles they were everywhere they were there was a lot of blockbusters yeah for sure different times yeah how crazy is that that like you had to go look at the wall Pick off what you were gonna like watch, and then go put it in a machine and do it. And now you just like click a button on a phone. Yeah, it's wild. It's it's really changed. I, I have a lot of ro- romanticism for those times, like the blockbuster times. It, and I think part of it, it's like they d- designed the store so perfectly because you're hit with that smell. You were hit with that popcorn mm-hmm. smell as soon as you walk in. So it's like all of these senses at once. The excitement of going to pick out a movie. Um, it was definitely a, a very ritualistic like friday night ritual Mm -hmm. go pick up a pizza maybe get taco bell whatever it was rent a video game and now i don't know if one is necessarily better or worse other than it's just different for me personally totally yeah it's definitely yeah it's definitely different and you know there's i miss some of the old things in the old times how simple a lot of things were i think now there's a lot of complication involved in technology that even though it like is also making your life easier, it's like complicating it at the same time. Well, it confuses communication, I think. For That's sure. a big thing because we you can't really convey tone um, mm-hmm. through technology. And, you know, I, I've worked plenty of uh, corporate jobs in my day and that's a whole world in it in itself. But um, I think communicate with communication as technology gets better and better it's like they've adapted over time with different emojis or at being able to thumbs up 
or do an emoji depending on if you have like an iphone or not but if you don't have an iphone then no one really likes you and no one wants to be your friend <laughs> i'm just giving giving ian shit he's a, get, he's the green bubble team yeah dude. yeah hey the camera's still better than yours he's not wrong <laughs> but that's the other thing technology it's constantly because of this there is innovation constantly there, everybody is always trying to to top themselves mm -hmm. totally Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember, I remember getting my first iPhone, and then like them releasing, you know, and I was like, oh shit, and it was the, like iPhone two, and then they released a thing like three months after I got that one. It was like iPhone four or whatever is going to have FaceTime, and like it was like what the fuck, you yeah. know? And now there's new ones released every single year. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. like Star Trek. We're, I mean, basically, we were, they thought it up 40 years ago for movies, and now we're just trying to, like, do those things. What do you think the future holds with technology? Oh, man, I think it's going to be crazy. I mean, AI's coming online. That's going to be a wild thing, and, you know, I think it's, it's going to make life easier for a lot of people, but then I think it's going to... It's going to be a big adjustment just culturally and society is going to have to adjust majorly to technology kind of filling a, a large sector of kind of what we're doing for work and a lot of stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, I've always had sales jobs and I've definitely seen a change over time because things are so instant now and like you have to constantly adapt to whatever the market is doing and what customers are wanting, mm -hmm. what they respond to. And it's funny to me how quickly it kind of happens, but how much time it's taken. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, our generation, I guess, of like, like we saw, I mean, I remember, like we saw the cell phone kind of change everything. Yeah. You know, our parents saw like computers like come online and change yeah. everything. I mean, we kind of did too, but... Um, just living through that, like now the people, now everyone's like so used to it that they don't know a time before, you know, all the kids born 10 years ago. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. They don't know anything but the instant connection. Uh, and I definitely, that's one of the downsides is the, uh, the instant gratification that technology can give you. But it was like you were saying earlier, it's a double edged sword because man, I think it's so useful whenever there's, you know, some shit going down in a country and a revolution is happening. Now we can see it in real time on Twitter. So it's almost like it circumvents the news entirely mm -hmm. because you're able to kind of see what's actually happening. Totally. In theory. Yeah. I mean, and then on the flip side of that is there's so much ability to send false or misinformation out that you kind of are like left in a limbo of like, well, I got to kind of piece together what the facts actually are. What the truth is. Yeah. And, you know, I don't feel like that's something that anyone has really had to deal with, you know, until kind of now. It was more of like, hey, the news is going to tell me this and either I take it or I don't. You know, it wasn't, there's like, this news station says this, this news station says this this news station says something completely else. And you have to kind of be like, well, there's little facts from all these that I have to piece together to 
actually make what the truth is. Well, discernment and gray area, I think, are two valuable skills that anyone can have in life, along with self-awareness. Because with discernment, you're able to, A, decide for yourself. With actual life experience, you're able to draw from those experiences. I think I turned about 25 and I started realizing in real time when I was fucking up. And that's when everything kind of changes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, self-awareness is also a huge one of just like knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at, laying into your strengths um, and, you know, countering those weaknesses that you have. Uh, I think that's that's one thing I know myself very well. And that's why we've kind of done as well as we have is I've either been able to find people to fill the voids that I'm not good at um, or pivot to the things that I am good at to make sure that, you know, I'm it stays kind of in motion and we're able to keep things moving and moving the ball forward. Well, as a leader, how do you make those decisions, like those difficult decisions when you're leading a team and trying to still do every everybody right, basically? You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you'll never really be able to do everybody right all the time. And kind of being able to realize that is important, um, you know. But at the same time, like trying to keep the majority as right as possible or as like happy as possible is a, is a big one and listening like, Hey, what does everybody need? Or, you know, how can I help to make you succeed in these, these different things? That's, that's a huge one. Well, communicating and, and just kind of talking to them and seeing what, what it is that's going to help them be successful in whatever role it is that they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Was that a skill that you had to gain over time or was that something you just kind of learned on the fly or? Uh, I've definitely like, I think I've like, I've known, I've been doing it over time. You know, road manager, you kind of have to, you are the leader out there. And so you kind of have to, you know, delegate and you have to also just be able to communicate with everybody what's going on that day or, you know, what's going on that week or, you know, just what, what what we're doing for tour and all that. Um, and so I had a lot of those skills from road managing. I think it's just a different skill set. Uh, when you're like, when you're bringing folks with you that are, it might not necessarily be like what they're passionate about. You know, it's just a, kind of a job for and sure. So getting them to buy into, what you're doing and believe in it and from the get, you know, from kind of the start is, is a big portion of it. And I think I'm pretty good at that being like, Hey, this is where we're going to go. If, you know, we want you on board and you know, you do a good job, come with us as long as it'll take, you know, um, and weeding the ones out that don't fit that mold also like, you know, not spending a lot of time if it's like, hey, this isn't working. This is not a fit. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, a big part of, I think, leadership too is managing the different personality types. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of different personality types in the world. And I know for myself, anytime I've been in those kind of roles where I'm in charge of the, the room, 
I have to kind of check myself sometimes because my impulse might be to jump down someone's throat because honestly, that's what I'd want done to me to be like, you're fucking this up. You're not Mm -hmm. doing this right. But some people shut down under that kind of feedback. Yeah, totally. I am probably not the best at like that. I'm not super great at like constructive criticism or like nuanced things. I'm kind of more of like what you said in the beginning, like you fucked this up. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Let's fix it. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, sometimes it can, I can definitely come across as like, Oh, this guy's just a fucking dick or whatever. But it's just more of like the passion kind of behind what I'm trying to get up, convey over, you know, their fuck up or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, you, you see the bigger picture because you're the business owner. Yeah. For sure. And there's just a lot of things in the back that no one sees. Hey, why are we doing this? You know, why are we like giving hot dogs out for X, Y, and Z for free? And like, trust me, it'll circle back around and it'll come back to us or whatever. You know, whatever the thing is, is like, I see it. I'm just telling them, hey, this is what we're doing. And in a lot of the, a lot of times it's like, well, why? Just do it. Trust me. Trust the process. Yeah. This sounds oddly familiar. Danny and I have had a million conversations like this. Yeah, similar, for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, anytime I think when you're a, a leader, you have to you have to build up, like, leadership capital with the people that are working for you or working with you. And some days, if you can let someone out early, you can earn a little bit of that leadership capital with them. That way, on that day you need them to stay late they're much more willing to jump too yeah sometimes i mean you know we have a kind of i don't want to ever feel like i'm owning any of my employees and that is like something i feel like at a lot of restaurants it's like they just expect them to work 50 hours a week or whatever and like i don't expect that i'd i'd love for them too and like but it's also a like i want them to have a life and not get burned out you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I always say, like, to a lot of the hourly employees that come on, you know, this is a stepping stone. I don't expect you to stay here for 20 years, but this is a stepping stone. You know, hopefully it's a good enough job to help you kind of do what you want to do outside of work and get to where your ultimate goal is. Was your background in food service before you started Daddy's no, Dogs? I'd never been worked in a restaurant before. Really? Okay. <laughs> So it was all uh, touring. I had started touring when I was 18, and uh, I did it for, like, I think at that point it was, like, nine years, just on the road, 250-plus days. And, uh, and yeah, and then, you know, kind of did a year of doing both, and and then it was, it was time to, to go. What was your biggest takeaway from being on the road, whether it was about people or just about life? Oh man, I mean, I got a lot there's so much to take away. I mean, I I became kind of the person I am from the road, but I think the biggest thing is at being able to pivot, being able to adapt. Something goes wrong, okay, don't panic. How do I fix it? What do I do? And, you know, so the trailer breaks down. Okay, how are we getting our gear to the next place? Or like what do we need to do to like fix this? There was a lot of that, just like constantly. That's kind of what a tour manager's 
does is just put fire crisis up. management exactly yeah. yeah crisis management and babysitting that's basically a tour manager in two, yeah in three words you know yeah <clears throat> so um you know i i'd look i took a ton of skills away from that and like i mean i think i gained more from those nine ten years than i would have in college if i would have done anything yeah well you were slugging it out and you were putting in your ten thousand hours yeah I definitely put in 10,000. Yeah. I mean, it's, did you go all over the world? I did. Yeah. Where's yeah. your favorite place that you've been to? Oh, man. I mean, Europe is amazing. I love, uh, like, Scotland is awesome. Um, you know, we did Mexico. That's always fun. Uh, Spain. Spain was great. Um, yeah. It's all, it was just, an amazing experience. I, I didn't get to do the Middle East or Australia, which I really wanted to do. Those are like the two places I just unfortunately missed while I was uh, while I was out. But hope hopefully now I can just afford to go back and I won't have to work. Yeah. Well, I hear Australia is super strict with um, with like letting people into the the country even for touring. I was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about it, saying it was it was actually a porn star. And she was saying that she was going there to work, and brothels are legal there. Okay. But someone snitched her out, I guess, because she didn't have the right work visa, and they just sent her right on a plane back to the U.S. Oh, that's brutal. That's like a 20-hour flight. Yeah. God. I would have been pissed, especially if it was a trip where I was supposed to make money at. Right? Would have made me so mad. Yeah. But no one's going to hire me to be a porn star, though. So Me either. Yeah. Just keep on dreaming, I guess. I know, right? Um, so you didn't really have the background in, in food service. Why hot dogs? So originally it was just like, you know, we wanted to do the street food kind of thing and it was the easiest thing to kind of tap into. Um, there's a lot of rules with food on the street and cooking and all that kind of stuff. And it was all new territory. And so it just seemed like the simplest kind of way to go about it. And it's kind of one of those things that, like, you, you're you out fucking drinking and you're like, oh, hot dog sounds great. Like, give me. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And so that's kind of, that's what we went with. And, you know, <laughs> tried, like, probably 200 different hot dogs to, like, find the one that we're using. and Wow. It, yeah. It was. Uh, what was that process like? I mean, it was just, like cooking different ways of like how do we you know grilling and boiling and steaming and what works the best and what kind of meat what kind of casing all that kind of stuff and uh it was probably about a month till we found the dog and we, or we narrowed it down to about 15 and then we had two parties and everyone voted on like which ones they liked the most and we kind of narrowed that down again and uh and then just kind of decided based on you know costs and all that kind of stuff and what about for the buns? Was that a process, too, of pairing the right buns with the right hot dog? Sort of. Um, originally, we used a, a company here in town called Provence, and they were kind of the bakery for all the specialty places, Pharmacy Burger, Burger Up, all that kind of stuff. And my buddy worked at Pharmacy at the time, and he's like, these buns are great. You should use them. And so it just kind of like fell in. We used, started using those. Then they went out of business and uh, we found Sharpie A's, which is right around the corner from our shop. So it just made kind of sense. And they've been awesome and have a great, great product too. So 
One of the things I like about Daddy's Dogs is you have like a dog of the month. Mm -hmm. How do you pick what the dog of the month is going to be? We try to do it a little bit seasonally. So like what is, you know, that season's flavor or whatever. Um, And then there's other things where it's like, hey, this partnership or this event is happening. You know, let's coincide it with that. Next month is uh, Doug the Pug. It's his birthday in May, and so we're gonna do the Doug the Pug dog. That Who's we do. Doug? Doug the Pug is that? Doug the Pug is the most famous dog. dog on Instagram. On, oh, that's in your, the world. your dog. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, not my dog. Oh, he's oh, like okay. the most famous Instagram dog. Yeah, oh, oh, really? he's got like one million followers. Or like, <laughs> he's seven. got like five million. Yeah, he's he, crazy. it's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. He like every picture of him is with like someone famous. Yeah, really? Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. Nice. he is the man. He's dude. met like every single famous person. Yeah, he is the man. Can you say what the? The, the pug, Doug, Doug the, pug. the pug. Uh, can you say what the what the hot dog is gonna be yet? Have yeah, you, uh, yeah. It's called the Dougie. We do it every year with them, and we partner with his foundation, so we kick back a, a percentage of the sales nice. to help with that. Um, but it's like a pizza dog, so it's oh it's shit, pizza okay. sauce, mozzarella, pepperoni, a little Italian seasoning. That sounds and like, amazing. Yeah, oh, it's fucking good, dude. It's good. It's one of my favorite dogs we do throughout the year as like one of the you know dogs of the month how do you pick um the rest of the menu like what stays what goes yeah we haven't really done a ton of editing on it it's more of adding to it over the over the years now um the the original six we just kind of were like well what's what makes sense you're limited on space on the carts we had we had room for nine ingredients basically and so it was like, hey, out of these nine ingredients, what can we make? What makes sense? And so we, you know, we made the original six with Lone Wolf, Seattle, Chicago, New York, Big Daddy, and Music City. And then from there kind of expanded out. And it would just be, a lot of times it would just be me getting stoned and being like, what goes good on the hot dogs? So like we did, you know, I had the, I had a couple more tasting parties at my house where I was like, hey, try all these hot dogs that I'm making. And we did like, you know, cream cheese and peaches and jalapenos and secret sauce. And everyone was like, holy shit, this is great. And that became like kind of our Georgia dog with like the Georgia peaches and stuff. Um, and then like, you know, I like spent a month researching how to make coleslaw and like the best recipes and just different methods to do it. And finally came up with one that I really like because I'm not a coleslaw guy. So I was like, well, if I like it and the non-coleslaw people like it. Hopefully everyone does. And, you know, I think we make a really, really good slaw. People love it. And uh, so it's a lot of just trial, air, getting stoned, eating, all that good shit. Was there anything that got left on the the cutting room floor where universally everybody was like, nope, not this one? <laughs> I mean, we've had some for sure. I'm trying to think. We, we tried to do like a, a dessert dog with actual meat. We were like, oh, you know let's do like some sort of chocolate glaze on it. So, and it just wasn't good. It was like a chocolate honey thing and it didn't turn out well at all. And so then I was like, Oh, let's try a frozen banana dog. And then it, you know, it just is a disaster when you're trying to put it all together and everything yeah. like that. Cause we're not a ice cream place. Or yeah. Like, you know, yeah. It's like this isn't what we do. Yeah. Well, I, there's so much to be said for sticking to, to what you're good at. Mm-hmm. go out of your comfort zone but if you know that you're good at a particular thing like hot dogs or booking shows cleaning carpets whatever it is lean into that 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to what I said earlier. Like, you know, know what you're good at and lean into those things and surround yourself with people or things that fill the voids of the weaknesses that you have. Well, you look at um, any any various uh, places like uh, Raising Cane's. I just tried Raising Cane's recently because they opened a location in Smyrna. Yeah. Very simple menu. Yeah, they're great. Four items. Yeah. Yeah, four items. That's crazy. Yeah. Raising Cane's does it right, dude. He is a, he's like the guy in the quick serve restaurant um, world right now. Todd Graves is his name. And uh, he is like, he's like kind of the guys to like follow right now. Kind of, he's kind of the mindset that I'm going for, hopefully, in doing this and kind of just blowing it up and doing very community driven um, while staying true to kind of what you do and, and your core values and everything. Yeah, well, you have to have, I think, those those core values to guide you along when, especially when things get tough. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And just like for us, like consistency and quality is like two of them for where, you know, we want to make sure, hey, you go to the Daddy's Dogs and the Nations. It's the same thing you're going to get if you go to the one in Gatlinburg or the one you if you go to Printer's Alley at 4 a.m. or one of the carts like, you know, that's a huge part of of how we've been able to kind of uh do what we've been able to do in the short time frame within nashville it's because everyone now knows like oh i go to any of these it's like gonna be good every time Mm -hmm. i feel like raising canes is the same thing like it's so simple so streamlined and so um you know that's a huge part of their thing and like they're not putting shit out that they don't like believe in every time they're opening a location on on Broadway and on Whitebridge. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. That Over- Broadway one is going to be, it's going to be fucking crazy. Yeah, gonna they're going to make a lot of money there. Oh, yeah. they're, they're gonna be, it's yeah. going to be chaos yeah. there. Yeah. It's going to be wild. Well, I think Eric Church is opening a bar up right next to it too. Yep. You said you've been in Nashville for seven years yeah. now. So. I moved here the the year before. I moved here in 2015, right towards the end of it. And it was underway, but it's not quite like it is now. Yep. Like, it was just starting to get crazy. Like, the Bachelorettes were still here, but it wasn't as extreme as it is now. What do you think of all the growth that's happened in Nashville? Um, I, I'm probably one of the people that, like, the locals hate. Because I'm, I like, I'm excited for it. You know, I still think there's a ton of opportunity here. I still don't think it's too priced out. I still, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's still affordable. Um, it's an easy place to live, you know, easy to get around and all that kind of stuff. If you have a vehicle, I guess, transportation here, public stuff is a whole different story. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but... I think, like I always say, it's the land. It's still the land of opportunity to me, and like it's, you know, there's going to be a point when that's over, but I don't think it's reached that. And I think, like you said, 2015 is when I came, and like right then was like, and a little bit before, but that was the start of the opportunity phase, you know. And I don't know how long it's going to last, so I'm trying to capitalize as much as I can on it, and you know, without like going out of what I believe in and my values and everything too. Um, but I think this city is is a great place. You know, I think 
it is a uh, a mecca of talent as and it is a mecca of of driven people and i think when you have that it is just a more lovely place to live everyone's kind of in it more together and uh and so i've i you know this is home for me now like i've kind of you know i love seattle but seattle kind of outgrew me and this is kind of what i grew into I know what you mean. I feel like in in Nashville in general, just the people are what make it special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a different type of people here. Like you know, everyone's willing to help out, and like we've been through. I mean, look at that twenty twenty year. It was like tornado, and then COVID, and then the bombing, the bombing, and like all this shit, and just like, but you know, everyone stayed very connected, and there wasn't. With all the shit going on in the world, it was like, well, I don't really care about any of that. Like, are you all right? Let me lift you up and help you out. Yeah, it's inspiring. Um, I was an Uber driver for uh, four years here. And the thing that I liked best about it was people who had never visited Nashville before. And I got to pick them up at the airport for the first time and have that interaction with them. And it's like I, I saw myself... Um, as silly as this might sound, as an ambassador for the city of I want to make a good first impression because this is the first time that people are experiencing Nashville and our reputation is being friendly. Therefore, people are excited and they talk about already how friendly like even people in the airport are by the, by the time that they're coming to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much of that is just like uh, a little bit of a placebo effect. Like we have that reputation. So people give it here. But especially people from like the Northeast um, and other big cities, they always come here and they say it's everybody's very friendly in Nashville. And I I always love it when tourists ask me, you know, where to go. Um, You give them all the all the good local spots and they're excited to go check them out and experience them like daddy's dogs. Yeah, I hope I'm on the list. Yeah, you were definitely on the list. Perfect. I'm retired from Uber driving now. <laughs> it was too hectic. I got done sitting in traffic. I can't oh, sit in traffic anymore. Dude, I get it. That is one bummer. Like, I have seen the traffic go from like, oh, there's never traffic, like ever, when I first moved here. Yeah. To, okay, it's every day now. Yeah. But, you know, I still am like, I laugh a little bit because traffic here compared to like traffic in Seattle is just night and day. Like traffic in Seattle, you'll go, it'll take you an hour and a half to get to work or whatever. And here, like, even on a bad day, it's like, okay, that was, I went, my commute went from 15 to 25 minutes or whatever. So I don't know. I'm always like kind of chuckling when people bitch about it. Yeah. Well, I'm from Maine originally. So, uh, any amount of traffic is more traffic than I've ever dealt with. In totally. My life. Yeah. I was just in Maine, actually. Really? Where were you at? Uh, Kenny Bunkport. Oh, okay. Where the Bushes have a house. Yeah. And the Kennedys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some friends of ours have a have some friends that had a place up there, and they like don't use it in the winter. They're like, hey, you can go up stay for a little bit. So they stayed for like a month, and we went and visited them for like a couple of days, and it was beautiful. It's great. Yeah. Maine, they do uh, steamed hot dogs. Yeah. There was a, a hot dog cart in my hometown, and uh, my personal favorite is the the chili cheese dog. Mm-hmm. Love a good chili cheese dog. Um, but yeah, it's the steamed hot dogs. You bite into it. I love the sound of that that snap. The pop. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds like summer. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. It sounds like baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a big baseball fan? 
Uh, I like baseball. I don't. I don't have time to keep up with yeah. all of it, and I feel like sports right now, like now, especially, it's like such an ever evolving like trades and this and the fucking rules are changing and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I do enjoy like going to games and watching and, and that kind of thing. I just don't have time to keep up. Like I love going to sounds games. They're really fun. Yeah, they are fun. Yeah, sitting over at the band box and just having a couple beers and, you know, take a couple eddies before you go in, roll in 20 deep or something. <laughs> so what does, uh, what does big daddy do in his off time? Oh, I don't really have a lot of off time, but when I, but I love scooting. I ride scooters. I've got a Honda Helix 250 and then a Yamaha Zuma 125. And uh, I rode the Yamaha across the country. We went from Jacksonville to Seattle in my scoot club. Jacksonville, Florida? Yeah. That's all the way across. What was that like? Dude, it was awesome. We made a movie about it. It's on Amazon. Uh, It's called Slow Ride Home. And uh, it it was really cool. It was just like one of those. It's kind of a come to like a friendship documentary of like these eight dudes just slugged it out across the country and on scooters, on scooters, shit in their pants and fucking crashing and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun and, and I, I ride scoot. I mean, I rode one here. I ride it pretty much every day. It's, it's nice. Um, do that a lot. I smoke a lot of pot, you know, get creative and helps me kind of, uh, channel i'm very add so it kind of helps me focus and kind of get to where i need to go without like taking the long way yeah and plus it can make mundane work um a lot more standable yeah for sure i mean i don't i don't ever mind getting a little baked and doing some cleaning or doing the dishes and stuff yeah you're always like okay do, do, do. put on a podcast in the background yeah maybe someone is stoned listening to this right now doing Probably some dishes is, hopefully yeah yeah. Um, so on that cross, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've been on multiple cross country trips back and forth. What is your kind of favorite spot in the U.S. besides maybe Nashville or Seattle that really stuck out to you? Mm. Whether it was cuisine or the culture or what have you, whatever pops yeah. out to you. I mean, there's so many places, but I always say like the places I could live or like the places I, w- I would retire. Portland, Maine is one. I love Portland. It's just a good little town yeah. and lobsters and, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, San Luis Obispo, California. Um, slow. It's like a little beach town, college town. Great vibe. Love that place. Um, really good food there too. And it's like kind of on the edge of wine country. So, you know, it's a, it's a really, really awesome place. Um, there's, but there's so many different, like, the beautiful thing about America is there is so much different things where, you know, across the whole thing. A lot of different cultures. A lot of different cultures. Yeah. And a lot of just like, you know, a lot of Europe isn't, is a lot of the same stuff just pinned over and over again. But it's like, this is an old castle. This is an old castle. But here it's like, you you kind of see as you go West, you see kind of, oh, this is how America was built and put together and like yeah the east coast has so much shit from like that's so old you go there like damn this this like row of buildings in boston was here in 1700 or yeah. whatever and that's like blows my mind a lot of times too and then like you know it just seemed that all the different aspects of of this country is is really awesome and i 
now sitting back from being on the road so long, you like kind of take it for granted while you're doing it. But now I can kind of see like, oh, like Jersey isn't as bad as what I thought it was on the road, you know, or like just those little things. And so I have a big appreciation for for just a lot of a lot of everywhere here and everywhere I was able to go and, and everywhere I was able to see during those 10 years of touring. It's funny that you bring up Portland, Maine, because it's a huge foodie town now, mm-hmm. and it's like a cool and it, like hip, trendy place to be. There's a bunch of breweries, all of that. It was not like that when I was growing up. Oh, for sure. I, I believe it. Portland was a place that you would go to the mall to get sneakers for the school year. And now there's all these great restaurants there, and there's a real scene there. And there's a lot more young people there mm-hmm. than when I was growing up. For sure. One of my close friends lives up there, um, plays in a band, and, like, you know, he, like they gig down there all the time. And, and you know, I don't think five, ten years ago even that would be a thing at all. No. And there, there's a couple of um, new venues that they – have opened up like they opened one up right on the water now that's nice. s- similar to ascend i can't remember what the name of it is but it's like an amphitheater like that that's right on the water and when i was growing up really you had to go down to boston you mm-hmm. would either have to go to like the house of blues or the paradise or uh td bank garden um at the time so it, it was kind of in a lot of ways shut off from the rest of the world yeah and it still is a little bit too i mean there, of course there's the internet and all of that so you can be connected that way. But when I was growing up, it was really, you were in, uh, and I realized this after I moved away, I went back and I took mushrooms with my friend nice. for the first time. And I felt like I was in a little tide pool almost. And it was safe. Cause I was, it was one or two in the morning. I just went to this wing restaurant, Bing is wing is with, with my friend, um, that I took mushrooms with. And, um, I started kind of like heavy tripping, yeah. you know, but it wasn't bad. Like I, it wasn't a bad tripping experience. We just started laughing hysterically. I don't even remember Got why. Got the giggles. Like, like almost pissing my pants. Oh yeah. The giggles. Yeah. I love that part about shrooms. Yeah. Man. That's my favorite part. Yeah. You, just you laughing. You don't know why you're like, this is just surviving right now. is funny. Yeah, you can you can meet God and the devil on mushrooms, oh, and they both sure. exist inside of you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There was a point in my life where me and a couple of buddies, when I, it was right before I moved down here, um, kind of 2015, summer of 2015 or 14, and uh, we probably for like three weeks straight, we took mushrooms every day, and then we went and floated the river. And you're just like floating the river and all the trees are around you fucking going. And it was always every like for three weeks straight, we were just like living in this like trip haze. That was just amazing. But did you have a bad trip at all? Uh, No, I didn't really. Like, I'm pretty good about being able to pull myself out. I feel like and that's why I love mushrooms is because I feel like I'm kind of always there enough to steer the boat if i need to like oh we're going down the wrong way let's fucking pull it back and try to like get happy again you know um so i never really have had like a a truly like terrible trip i've definitely like gone astray but i've always like come back and like at the end of it i'm like i'd do it again let's go you know 
I had one really bad trip. It was on Halloween at Exit Inn, and everybody was dressed up. It was this I can, band. I can believe that would be overstimulated. Yeah. It was this band, Backup Planet, and there was this uh, this guy who was probably like 6'3 or 6'4, and he was dressed like an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> just a giant Oompa Loompa. Yeah, and that that's what sticks out to me. I just remember it, it turned into a bad trip because I was super overstimulated, and I just started thinking about the state of my life at the time. I really wasn't working on a lot of music stuff, and that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. I I had moved to Nashville, but I had gotten into the, the rat race of like having a job to survive. Yeah. And um it easy w- to do. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't long after that that I probably like five or six months later that I ended up leaving the job that I was at and kind of getting back on the path. But without that trip, without that uh, that identity crisis that night, it was it was an identity crisis. I think because it was it was Halloween too, mm-hmm. and just seeing all these people in these costumes, it really freaked me out. Well, it it steered you a different way. Yeah, but... no, it, it put me on the path that I was supposed to be on, but it was uh, powerful. Have you always been industrious? What does that mean? So that means just like starting a business. Danny, oh. how, w- how would you describe industrious? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, hmm, kind of putting me on the spot here. Uh, I would say like being able to um, use your resources, I think, to kind of create things. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, um, I've definitely been that sort of thing. When I was on the road... I started out as a merch guy. That was kind of the first thing I started doing and went for free. I was basically, I wanted to travel. I wanted to be on the road. I wanted to live that rock star life. And so, you know, I was like, how can I make more money? We were getting like $5 a day as a buyout for like whatever. So I was living on five bucks a day. I was basically eating cup of noodle soups. Like, you know, I'd gone to Costco before the tour and like literally bought a flat of fucking cup of noodles and peanut butter and jelly and bread. That was like all I was living off of. And so I was like, well, obviously I got to make some fucking more money. And uh, so started thinking of different ways on the road. How can I make more money? And I was good at hustling tips for, hey, tip me five bucks for the shirt or whatever. Like, you want a poster? Here you go. Give me five. Um, But I started doing, I was like, this gal had these uh, disposable cameras at a show. And it's like something clicked in my head. And I was like, Went and bought a bunch of them. And so I just started taking disposable camera pictures throughout the day of the band. Like, here's us sound checking. Here's us in the van. Here's us at lunch. Here's us, blah, blah, blah. Here's a selfie or whatever. Like, in the green room, hanging out, smoking a joint, whatever. And then I'd sell them, under like, hey, here's a day in the life of this band at the merch table for, like, 50 bucks. And so it was like, you know, those, I bought it for four. So I'm making $45. You're just ripping straight profit. Yeah. And so I just started doing that and like, and I would give everyone in the band one, Hey, take this, take this. And so we just started doing that. And so, you know, started making a bunch of, not a bunch, but I started making pretty good money doing that, hustling that on the road. And then a bunch of label or the label we were with started doing it for other bands and all this kind of stuff. And Oh shit. Not stealing the idea, but they like started printing like, Cobra Starship disposable cameras. So you could like buy one at the merch table, do it at your show or whatever. Interesting. Um, but so yeah, I've always kind of done that. My dad was like, uh, 
when I was growing up, he was a DJ. And so like I'd help him at weddings and then kind of evolved into like, I DJed my school dance in high school. And like, you know, I was like, I don't need to go to this. I'll fucking make 500 bucks instead. Like, so instead of spending it or whatever. So I've always kind of like had that. I've seen that. Oh, if I work hard and like put it in, it comes back to me, you know, or like I want the freedom. I got to have to, I got to work to have that freedom. So I've, I've been financially on my own since I was 16 and it just, you know, it's, I've had to work. And so the hustle kind of came with that. The hustle is the gift. Yeah. I mean, that is probably. I think without really working hard on something, life can kind of be devoid of meaning. You know, at least at least for me, I feel like I have to be doing something because otherwise I just get lethargic. I get up in my own head and I become my own worst enemy. Lit said it best. Yeah, lit. Yeah. Love lit. <laughs> um, totally, man. I mean, yeah, you've got to... You've got to be able to power through some of that too, you know, when you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this or whatever. you got to be able to kind of have that like, well, i got to see the other side mentality. Yeah. How did your collaboration with Lab Canna come about? Uh, well, you know, I love, uh, I love smoking weed. That's pretty well known. Um, and... So they like, I think we just partnered and we're like, hey, let's, let's go. And, you know, they've been great. We've done a bunch of edible stuff together. We're going to, we're getting together soon to talk about some other shit that we might be able to do. And it's just, I think a fun, it's something fun to do outside of hot dogs that I think like people enjoy seeing too. And, you know, that community is different than, it's not different, a lot of the same people, but like, it's just different style of different world. Yeah. Different world than kind of the hot dog stuff. And that's kind of been fun to dip my toe into a little bit. Are you doing any events, uh, today for four twenty? Yeah. So we're going to be out at uh, lab canna, uh, all day from like 11 to seven today at their store on the East side on Gallatin. We'll be out there. They're doing a big four twenty fest and they've got deals, deals, deals. And, uh, we're, we're slinging weenies there. So, come on down once you got the munchies and let's go and we're obviously open in the nations and everything too all day so or if you want to order from home uber eats and postmates damn okay so you guys are on uber eats and, and postmates sure oh yeah wow shit yeah i mean it, it's so crazy like that i can right now have a hot dog delivered to my house it is it's awesome yeah it's great yeah who would have thought the world we're living in? I know. Where can people find you at? Uh, a lot of people can find me on the internet at Daddy's Dogs Nash on all the socials. Um, my personal one is Big Daddy Says. Uh, and then, you know, bopping around town. If you see me on my scoot, I'm probably the guy on the yellow scooter with the panda helmet. Um, or come say hi in the nations. I'm there six days a week pretty much. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. This was great. I enjoyed chatting. Yes, I did as well. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.